Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 288. Got a really good show lined up for you this week. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our city of the week, player of the week, equipment tip of the week, have uh, did you know that just had me shaking my head and something I think is uh, fun to talk about? Have a really good listener question, and of course, Paige's power play. In our leadoff segment, we're going to talk about rec league decision making and playing time, and, and an interesting discussion that I had with a listener that I thought was uh, something that you all would be interested in. In our cleanup topic, we're going to do a little bit of talk about recruiting. And then in our Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week, Coach John's going to share some information about networking in the business world and also how it relates to the world of softball. So before we get into all that stuff, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And I know I remind you every week, folks, but use that EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to support the podcast and then save that additional 20% on an already great product. We're uh, so fortunate to have Anderson on board with the podcast. It's a great uh, bat, great glove. I mean, all their equipment is just top shelf, and it's something that we're really proud to be uh, associated with. Also talking about being able to support the podcast, let's look at becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. It's a very simple process. Uh, we're talking about five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. You know, the idea that if a whole lot of people can contribute a little bit, this podcast can uh, stay alive forever is is something that we've been beating the drum on for quite some time. And we're hoping that uh, more people will continue to support us by becoming patrons. So again, go to Patreon.com/slash Everything Fast Pitch. Our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bidinger and Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Mass. If you have any dental needs at all, reach out to the folks at the Binger and Styles. They will take really good care of you. They are longtime supporters of the podcast and people we really do appreciate and uh, would love for you to be able to support them if you're in the area. Don, our city of the week is Rochester, New York. Rochester, New York, Tori. I'm excited about that. I know uh, we're starting to get cool weather, so they must be getting a little bit uh, cooler up there and maybe some of the softball starting to go inside. Yeah, well, the fall season, obviously, in many parts of the country is uh, an interesting time of the year. You know, down here in Georgia, it seems like we have two seasons. We have summer and we have winter. It doesn't seem like there's much in between. And summer this year was so dang hot that the idea of fall and, and some cooler days is really a, a, something that we appreciate. But I know, uh, you know, different parts of the country face different challenges with the weather. You know, Rochester's up in that part of the, the state. Um, where winter is really winter. Um, they, they know for sure what snow plows and snow shovels and all that kind of stuff are a daily part of their routine for, for a lot of the year. But they're also playing a lot of really good softball. Uh, obviously, we're excited to see the numbers jumping in Rochester. And it tells us that uh, the people there are doing a good job of spreading the word about the podcast, getting people to listen. And that's something we ask all of you to do every week. If you have somebody in your life that you know loves the game of fast pitch softball that's not already listening to everything fast pitch, for coach prep, uh, make sure that you, you know, hook them up, let them know about the podcast and, and let them get involved. And we would certainly love to add to the number of listeners, something that I've been noticing more and more on uh, social media. Cause I, I think people have figured out that one of the things I do is, you know, look through some of the different Facebook groups and stuff like that. And you're trying to find ideas and, and things for topics periodically. And one thing that I've seen five or six times here now in the last maybe two weeks were people asking information about where they can find stuff out about coaching, where they can learn more about the game, where they can pick up, you know, new ideas. Um, even one that was directly asking, you know, what are the good fast pitch or softball podcasts? And on every one of those little stories that I was reading, um, at least one or two people responded, well, you should check out everything fast pitch. You know, everything fast pitch has got all kinds of information. You'll know, go to everything cool. fast pitch. And so Obviously, we're gaining momentum, and the word of mouth is something that's really a, a cool thing to see. And so we're really excited for Rochester to be the city of the week, because that means the numbers are jumping, and we'd like to see that happen in other places around the country. And Don, you know, 
Keep sharing, yeah. yeah. A while back, we threw out this challenge for Canada. You know, Rochester's pretty darn close to Canada. Ouch. Maybe we should start counting those in the uh, Canadian numbers <laughs> to get the uh, national anthem on the on the air. It could happen. Well, we we got lots of Canadians going up there. Yeah. Well, we get we hey? we, we need a big jump, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oot and a boot. All right. It's player of the week this week. Don is Janelle Lewis. Janelle Lewis is from Navarre, Florida. Um, she's a fourteen-year-old ball player. She's really new to the game of softball. The reason that her coach, Lale, wanted to nominate her was that she is the prototypical, new-to-the-game, super enthusiastic, loves everything about it, working her uh, tail off to try to you know learn as much as she can to, get, to become as, uh, as strong a player as she possibly can. And to me, I think the idea of recognizing players like that is important. Um, you know, he's you know, very excited to have her in, in the program and, and to see her growth and development. And obviously, the idea of the player of the week is to recognize players that are doing a lot of different things that are worthy of recognition. You know, to me, you know, we've talked about this a lot. It's always easy to recognize that kid that hits their first ever home run and those kinds of things. We do that all the time. But to have a brand new player that's come into the game with that much enthusiasm and that much passion for it, I think is worthy of recognition as well. And so we want to make sure that we're always thinking about looking out for players like that to make sure that uh, they know for sure that we appreciate what they're doing and, and the hard work that they're putting in. No, Janelle, keep it up. I know that uh, that spark and, and fire is contagious for everybody. So uh, great job and keep it up. Yeah, so, and every team needs a player like that. And yeah. the more of them you have, the more fun it is to coach them. And it's neat when someone recognizes that and shares it with us so we right. can share with everybody. And, yeah. and that's certainly something we want all of you to do is... Uh, Listeners, uh, you all have somebody in your life that's worthy of recognition. And one of the things that um, you know, we've talked about many times in the past, you know, that we kind of get on this roller coaster of we have a ton of nominations and we don't have any. Then we have a bunch of nominations and we don't have any. And it's always heartbreaking to me, you know, because there have been four or five times maybe in the history of the podcast that we didn't have a nomination. And you know, that's always really disappointing. But they're out to me. there. And, and those yeah. players are out there. They just mm-hmm. need to have somebody take the time. So you send us an email, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either email address will work. Uh, send us a little bit about that player, why you want them to be nominated. Um, you know, the uh, nominations I have in front of me right now, the longest one is maybe two paragraphs. So it's not like it's we need the easy. players, yeah. you know, life story. We don't need everything, you know, every single detail about their career. Uh, but just why you want them nominated, and then certainly Coach Don and I will talk it over, and we're happy to recognize as many players as we can. So congratulations, Janelle Lewis. You are the player of the week. Equipment tip of the week, Don. Let's talk about the Square Cuts training discs. Tori, they're the same uh, diameter as a softball. They weigh the same as a softball. They uh, act a little different, and that's the important part, right? That uh, that they're giving us something that hitting a real softball or obviously a wiffle ball or a training other training product um, that they're giving us something a little bit different. And, uh, if you hit them squarely, square cuts, right? If you hit them squarely, they're going to sail proper. If you don't, they're going to tell on you. Well, and that's one of the reasons that uh, we felt the square cuts training disc was so valuable and so important. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of hitters do is work on their own. You know, they've got the bucket of balls, they've got the, the bonnet, they go down in the basement, they go out in the garage, do and the same thing they're, they're over and over. Away, but they're, yep. they're, they're missing out on the opportunity to gain some knowledge and some information hitting just a regular ball. Now, I'm happy that those kids do it. I think it's great that they're out there doing their work. Got to do it. But if they had the square cuts training disc in their their toolbox, every swing they take, they would know if they're truly squaring the ball up or not. And, you know, the, the trick with hitting a softball is the round ball, round bat. It feels like you're hitting it pretty good, but you're hitting it 80% or 85% or 90%. And the thing with the square cuts training disc is if you hit that at an angle, it would be like 90%. It doesn't fly right, and you know for sure that you're not really square to the to the flight of the ball, and that to me is a big deal. Because how many times do you see a player hit that ball that's on the warning track? They hit that line drive that the left fielder can run down because it doesn't have just enough juice on it to get in the gap. You know that screamer that looks like it's going to go through the five six hole, but the third baseman flicks her glove up and snags it on the way by because it doesn't have just quite enough velocity, enough speed to get through. Well. If you add that three or five or eight or ten percent extra zip on the ball that you would find using the square cuts training disc, guess what happens? Those balls go through, they get in the gap, they go over the fence, and that to me is what separates so many hitters. And honestly, why you see so many hitters that will have 
a whole lot of swings that look like they're really swinging great, like they look like they're hitting the ball really well, but it just doesn't quite have it. One little piece. That, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, for some hitters, you know, younger hitters, when they make changes in their swing, when they work on some stuff, they can see a gigantic change. You know, something big can happen because they're not very experienced and the, the margin for error is so gigantic. Well, when you start to get a little bit better, you're looking to add 1%. You know, a half a percent, you know, 2% to your performance starts to feel like a really big deal. And that's where the square cuts training disc is so valuable. It's going to help you get that last little bit of energy going into the ball. So when you hit it, it actually really goes where we want it to go. You got to keep talking about it, Tori, so everybody can get a set and right. make sure they're training well too. Yeah. So if you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, you order them there, they're forty nine ninety five a dozen. So they're very affordable and very durable. You're going to get a lot of use out of them. You know, click on the order button. It's going to take you through the steps. You know, while you're there, you can also look at the YouTube channel. There's a couple of short videos I did a couple of years ago when we first started with the square cuts um, that kind of give you a quick little tutorial on what the objective is and what we're trying to do when we hit them. Um, and I think that would be very useful information too. So again, the, go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your square cuts, training discs. They're $49.95 a dozen. So Don, did you know Saw something uh, on social media the other day that just made my eyes pop. The Georgia High School Sports Association, GHSA, has approved name, image, and likeness for high school athletes. Interesting. Which, when I saw that at first, my first reaction was, what? And then I did a little bit of research, and now Georgia is the 34th state to have NIL legislation that allows high school athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness and still remain amateur athletes. And here's why, you know, we've talked about NIL at the college level a bunch of times, but here's something that, you know, that I just makes me want to just shake my head in in amazement. So basically what we've done now in the state of Georgia, because Georgia is a football hotbed, there is a ridiculous amount of football talent in the state of Georgia. The number of high school kids now that are being recruited with NIL deals to colleges and the numbers and the amount of money that's being talked about is eye-popping. We have college players now who honestly will make more money if they stay in college than if they go into the NFL. Right. Just think about that for a second. You know, right. forever. Pro football was the absolute payoff for these guys. And now we've got like Deion Sanders' son is seriously thinking about staying at Colorado for one more year because he's making more money in NIL money at Colorado than he'll make as a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Right. So what does this mean when GHSA and all these other high school associations across the country allow name, image, and likeness? Well, I don't know how it's going to affect softball. But I do know that right now there is a ninth grade or 10th grade football player, some kid who's 6'3 and 240 that looks like a, a carved statue of muscle. Machine, yeah. Is getting an NIL deal from Georgia or Alabama or Florida or Auburn or USC under the guise that it's because of his high school career, but it's already the first piece of the college recruiting machine. That the collectives that are are paying off and, and giving things to college players are now doing it to get high school players to commit to schools. And now that process just started a whole lot earlier because where it would have been a kid who was finishing up his high school career would have been lured with the money and the NIL and all that stuff to sign with a school. Now it's going to be starting when they're eighth graders and ninth graders going to camps and being really athletic and really big and really fast and really strong. A a promising athlete. Right. And I just can't believe where we're going. I just, I'm having so much trouble with this. I, I just am really afraid for athletics in general, but college athletics, because it's something, you know, college softball is something I've loved and, and cared about for a very long time. And where we're going, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the players. It's great that they're getting the money. It's, ha- you know, it's, it's great that, you know, some of the benefits and the, and the financial windfall is making its way to the players in a, in a more meaningful way. But I don't like it. 
I don't want to support it. And I'm really starting to think that in a couple of years, we're just going to have, instead of college football, we're going to have NFL light. Again, this is a topic I think that's super interesting. It is exciting um, because it is setting people up for, uh, like you said, a financial windfall or a retirement program before they even get to college. Right. And it's just amazing. Yeah, because we're talking about the kinds of numbers that if if you're not an idiot, it should set you up for life. Yeah. You know, possibly millions of dollars. Yeah, he's going to be a millionaire before he steps on campus. Before he goes to college. Yeah. Right. Super exciting for each of those individuals and for the families. But what's this going to do for the pressure that gets put on younger kids now? Right. Because the pressure to be one of those people is going to be so high at a young age for some of these kids. I don't know that that's going to be healthy. Well, and it's not going to happen for everybody. No. This is going to be a special case for those unique athletes. Well, but. And we lived it in the softball world when the early recruiting madness was going on. Right. When we were all out there watching, you know. And how often did that work out the way it was forecasted? Right. You know, we're, we're, we're offering scholarships to 14-year-olds because, the, you know, that's the, the craziness that had, had happened and how much more pressure that put on them, how much, you know, extra... And there was those that put put it on cruise control too. It's like I got mine now. Right. I, I do. I have to really do that extra camp, that right. extra tournament, that extra workout. When I did uh, uh, think, uh, you know, just another you know sidebar to this, which was the first time I've seen a little bit of reason added to the NIL process. Uh, Utah signed a deal where every one of their football players now gets to lease a brand new truck for their entire career while they're at Utah. <laughs> So you got 90 football players <laughs> that are all getting Driving vehicles. Trucks. I'm assuming it's pickups, but yeah, they, yeah. All, they all get a vehicle. Yeah. But they at least are writ- written it into their contract that if they transfer or quit the team or become academically ineligible, they have to give back the truck. You'd think you got to. Right. But that's not happening in a lot of these other places. Right. So... You know, you have players that go to a school, get a bunch of money, and then, you know, wash out and go someplace else. It's just, it's it's really weird. But I, I just, you know, so my prediction is, yeah, we're going to see in the big money sports that this whole idea of legal cheating and being able to cheat and not have any penalties for it, you know, having boosters, you know, talking to younger and younger players, you know, collectives, negotiating with younger and younger players because they have potential, because they're big, they're strong, they're fast, is just going to open up a whole another... Well, what a, layer of, of problems. What about the timing for contact too, Tori, when they're allowed to contact these kids? Is well, that going to nudge, have to nudge. change? Is that going to have to change maybe or? Yeah. Wink, wink. Or maybe we're going, we're, we're going, our way we're going, back, we're going back way. to the, well, I can't say this in public and you can't say that I said this, but guess what? If you come to our school, the, I'm going to make sure that you start getting your NIL deal this year. We can be looking for some more rules coming right. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's just something. I, but I, I was just That's a good shaking my know. head when I saw it. So did you know GHSA became the 34th state to offer NIL opportunities for high school athletes? Huh. Just think about that for a little bit and think about where that's going. So now on our listener question this week comes to us from Bailey. Bailey's question is, how do you help rebuild a player's confidence after... Um, it's been torn down by our previous situations with teams and coaches. That's interesting too, because a lot of times when we join a team, we don't know the dynamics necessarily and the methodology of the coaches in terms of how they motivate. I've been a part of a lot of teams as I grew up that the challenge of you can't do this, you can't do, I don't think you can, I, you know, all those things that might be challenging in the long run. We're just a part of how they did things. So I know it happens for sure. And it is definitely something that we need to be conscious of as you go forward, you know, leaving a group like that. But hopefully there's enough positive things that are, that are happening because we've developed our skills or that, you know, we've had, you know, many good events happen that, uh, that we can recover from that. But it is definitely something that we got to be mindful of. Right. right? Well, rebuilding confidence is one of those, you know, really challenging situations that you're going to deal with because every player, especially in our sport is going to go through different things. that's going to affect their confidence, it's going to tear it down. And so whether it's a coach that's really hard on you, a coach that's really demanding and you're not up for it, teammates that are not friendly or supportive enough, maybe you know, a bad coach, yeah, whatever it is, yeah. those things are going to happen. It could also be that you've got a great coach and great teammates, but you go 0 for 4 in the championship game. 
You know, you drop a pop-up, you drop a fly ball, and it, it costs us a chance to, you know, keep playing in the tournament. Somebody says something mean or somebody, you know, the other team has a mean cheer or whatever. I mean, the, the, the list of things that can tear a player's confidence down is endless. So how do we build it back up? I think that that's a multi-layered thing that starts with the environment, environment trying to create. Um, from a parent standpoint, obviously you love your kids, you need to do everything you can to support it. But one of the things I think that uh, is also part of this equation is that nothing can tear a player's confidence down faster than if they're also, let's say, getting it at, at practice. Piled on. And then they're getting it on the car ride home. And they're yeah. getting it at when they're you know, sitting around the dinner table. And then they you know, get it when they get ready to go to the next tournament or whatever it is. And so... Confidence is a crazy balancing point. You know, what comes first, success or confidence? You know, I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, we're never going to really know the answer to. But I would start off with, you know, reinforcing the positive, making sure that we're talking about the things that that player does really well, looking at the things that that player is already contributing and doing that are, are, are a positive thing, you know, zeroing in on the work ethic and the effort and making sure that we're validating and supporting the fact that, you know, you might be struggling with this specific part of the game right now, but you're working hard at correcting it. And so as you keep working on it, you're going to you know, see progress and you're going to start make, making gains. You know, the other thing is, is making sure that you're finding as you're, as you're looking for teams, as much as you can, the kind of environment that's going to support what you think you need and what you think you're looking for from a player perspective and a family perspective. No, I think that all those things are amazing, Tori. And it's hard to be mindful of that when, when you're in the middle of it because right. it's easy to, to fall into that trap. But even when things are good, we need to be focusing, I think, on a lot of those things so that we can maintain and stay in that good positive space right. because we know that all athletes are going to perform better when they're in a good, comfortable, consistent environment. But when it's constantly you know, being bombarded by uh, negativism yeah. or the terminology, even the things that we say, it's like, Let's make sure we don't drop any balls today. Yeah. It's like, it means the same thing as, hey, let's make sure that we, you know, make some great catches today. Right. Again, that's part of us thinking about it, talking about it on the podcast, and then all the parents and coaches putting it into right. um, action. Well, yeah. there's a, a thing I've seen uh, probably a dozen times now on Facebook where it's basically this story of a young person has this really old car and they start off taking it to the car dealership and the car dealership says it's almost got no value because it's really old and it's got a lot of miles on it. And then they take it to a pawn shop and it's got no value because it's really old and it's got a lot of miles on it. And then you, know, you take it to the repair place and the repair, repair place says that it's not worth fixing it because it's so old and it's got a lot of miles on it. But then you take it to the car collector and the car collector's like, hey, I'll give you a ton of money for it because it's really old and it's got a lot of miles on it, but it's a collector's item. Right. And so, you know, the whole idea of, you know, if you're not valued where you're at, if you're, if you know, if you're not being uh, respected, where you're at, you're, you might yeah. be in the wrong place more so than there's something wrong with you. And so if we kind of keep some of that stuff in mind, you know, I think that will help players. And, and again, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, a little bit of a harsh reality moment of, okay, we, we just made a mistake. You were on the wrong team. That was the wrong environment for you to be in. We're going to make a change and it's going to be better. And we're going to start building, you know, back up from, from wherever that, that low spot was. But we know that the low spots are going to happen. We have to have a plan of attack. And we have to know for sure that we're going to be dealing with boosting confidence as much as we possibly can as often as we, as we need to. And Tori, again, a lot of times I feel like I'm better at the technical things, at the drills, at the, you know, evaluating movements and things like that. But the stuff between the ears is kind of tough. Right. And uh, this might be a good lead in for Paige's power play. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think uh, the idea of helping players be more confident and all that kind of stuff is something that's in the wheelhouse of the the professionals that deal with those kinds of things. You know, we, we've been very to fortunate really do to it. have, yeah. have, uh, have Paige Hans be part of the team here for the podcast now for several years. And she's always sharing her little tidbits of information, which I think are useful, but you know, building confidence and helping a player feel better about themselves and you know, being more comfortable going into situations is something that she's great at. And so and um, I think getting, you're right. Getting through something like our listener uh, right. shared with us is, yeah, an yeah. important thing. Well, and it's funny that you say that because the, the email I sent back was, well, start off uh, by checking out this, you know, right. which was Paige's information. So, yeah. so Don, that's a good, good transition. That's going to take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey you guys, it's Paige Tons here and 
something that's been on my mind and my heart recently to share with you guys today. So I call myself, I am a a mom, I am an athlete, I'm a wife, I'm a CEO. And these are just a few of the things that I say I am. I have high expectations for myself. And when I'm not exceeding those expectations with these things, like being a mom, a wife, an athlete, staying fit and healthy now is being an athlete, by the way a CEO, and even a sister, a sister-in-law, a daughter, a daughter-in-law, a friend, a mentor, and the list could go on further. I feel like I'm not doing good enough in these areas because I have extremely high expectations for myself. In church recently, I was reminded that these things aren't my identity. These are things that I do. They're passions, they're desires, and my identity is in Christ. I am made in the image of God. And, you know, whatever that means to you in your life, what that means to me is no matter the highs or the lows, no matter the successes or the failures, no matter the good days and the bad days, I have to come back knowing that those things don't define me and they are not my identity. And that brings me a lot of peace. And I believe that's what is going to help me be the best that I can be these different areas. These are the kind of things that I want the girls that I mentor or speak to to know that their identity is not athlete or softball player or soccer player or fill in the blank, whatever it might be. It's so much more than that. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And I really believe that, you know, for me, it's my, my faith, but this is stuff that I, I work on with girls when it comes to, to mindset. And understanding who they are isn't what they do. So that was just heavy on my heart. And I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, I hope you are having an amazing day. Uh, You know, I'm always here to support you guys as uh, softball families. So don't ever be shy to reach out. Let me know where I can help and support. Or if you don't know where I can help and support, let's chat. And I can um, absolutely share where that support and that help can be for, for your daughter, for your guys' families. So I just want this, this journey to be an incredible one for you guys. And again, folks, check out her website. Tons of free stuff, a lot of great information. The real meat and potatoes is the programs that she offers. If you're going to invest in one thing to help your player be a better player and have a whole lot more fun playing, I would look in some of those things a whole lot more than any other area because to me, it's the gigantic gap for many players. Not what they're able to do physically, but what they got going on in their head. And Tori might be uh, surprised how affordable some of her programs are. Yeah, a great investment. That's, yeah. that's the best way to say it. So it's pagetons, T-O-N-Z dot com. So Don, our leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at Elite Sports Orders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, um, they're happy to ship anywhere in the country. So reach out to the folks at Elite if you need anything. They're really good at what they do. So Don, this was an interesting discussion. So we spent a lot of time talking about college stuff, this and recruiting that and a lot of you know higher level topics. And sometimes I think we kind of leave the rec leagues and the very um, beginning level stuff. Getting started groups. Yeah, maybe we don't uh, spend enough time. So having this discussion with one of our listeners the other day, I thought was a really good discussion and something that would make for a really good topic. So he's coaching a rec league team. And one of the things that you notice, and again, like I said before, if you look at any of these Facebook groups and stuff like that, whenever anybody's coaching a rec league team, you know, a younger team, 8U, 10U, 12U, whenever they have a question, you know, the responses are always like, well, it's just rec league. It doesn't matter. You know, who cares about rec league? Rec league isn't important. It doesn't matter. And just let the kids play. You know, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. And and this coach's perspective was he isn't really worried about winning or losing, but he is really worried about being fair to the players on his team. And here's the discussion that we had in the dilemma that he has. It's a 10U team, so very, very, very inexperienced. You know, he's got you know, kids on his team that got, got their first glove a couple of weeks ago, showed up for practice, didn't know how to throw, didn't know how to catch. Got some other players that are a little bit more advanced and a couple of players that are pretty good. 
Well, they laid out the the fall season, and he basically you know made the statement, which I think now is where some of his issue is coming from, that because it's the fall season and the games don't really matter, it doesn't matter whether they win or lose. The kids can all play wherever they want to play. He's going to you know make sure that everybody gets to play all the positions, and everybody's going to get to play you know the positions and try the positions that they want to play. And at first blush, that's a really great Sounds idea. Sounds good, yeah. Right? But here's his dilemma. He's got six kids that all want to pitch. He's got two kids that actually practice pitching ever, like ever. You know, the other four kids show up at the game and just want to go out to pitch. It looked fun. Yeah, that's like, you know, it, it's cool. They're going to be involved. You know, they, they, they want to be involved and, and have something to do. And here's his dilemma. So he made this statement that if you want to try a position, we're more than happy to do it. We're going to make sure that everybody shares time and shares responsibility, you know, spots and, and all that kind of stuff. And he's happy about that for everything but the situation he's got now with pitching because the two kids that actually work at it a little bit are not great, but they're clearly better than the four who don't work on it at all. Sure. He's got you know one or two games a week that on a great day the game goes four innings, but more often they're two or three inning games. The scores right. are all twenty six <laughs> to twenty four because it's walk wild pitch walk wild pitch walk wild pitch walk wild pitch. It's all that ever happens. So he's a little frustrated. Wants to know how to handle, and I guess maybe even walk back a little bit on the pitching position because. Yes, he thinks it's great to let kids try it, and he wants you know to make sure that the kids have the opportunity to learn about the game and to learn important positions. But he also can't stand watching very many more softball games where he's putting a girl out there to pitch that he knows has not touched a softball since the last practice. Right. And when she does touch a softball, it's not to practice pitching. It's just to play softball. So then what does that mean? And, and here's really the rub. So what does that then mean for everybody else? If you've got... Somebody who wants to pitch but doesn't practice, somebody who says they want to be a pitcher but doesn't work on pitching, that really has no idea how to pitch, what does that mean for the rest of the kids? What does it mean for the game itself? What does it mean for the opportunity for the other kids to actually learn anything? Because I don't know about you, but walking people nonstop isn't really a great way for me to learn how to play a position, and so I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. No, I'm excited because... uh... You know, it sounds like this is going to be a, a neat team to be a part of because everybody's going to get to try different things. And it's a little easier for us to have somebody try shortstop and it doesn't disrupt the game so much that we can still play the game. And if a ball's hit to the shortstop, they don't make the play. We can still get right. through the inning. But with the pitching piece, that's obviously not the same case. If they can't pitch, then they can't pitch. Right. Or they're not capable of getting through an inning. As you're talking about that, I'm I'm thinking, how would I give them that opportunity and and not really jeopardize a season or jeopardize the comfort level of everybody, but to say, hey, we're going to have a few practice game or friendlies, and if we show that we can pitch and you know function properly in that position um, without disrupting the game, meaning walking everybody, then we'll get a chance to try that also in a regular game. Right, and if not, then you know, you got a chance to try it. But I think it's neat that the coach is allowing them that chance to look at trying it. And then you might express the thought that if this is something that you do want, it comes with these other things, meaning practicing on your own, right. maybe taking a few lessons or, or some kind of camp, you know, a weekend clinic for pitchers or, you know, whatever they might have available to them. So yeah, yeah it's got to be tied to, if you want that, then you have to because that's how it's going to be later. Right. And, well, and I think and that's just, the that yeah. that's the advice I gave too was that when we're talking about that one specific position, and honestly catching's a little bit like that also. You can't just go do it. Show up. Yeah, you yeah. can't just run out there. Well, you can run out there and play shortstop. You you could take a kid that's never played softball in their entire life. Give them a glove. They can go out there and stand at shortstop. And the game could still go on, and for in some situations, you might not even know that that girl's never even played never softball. Never played before. there, right? Because at that age group, at that level, at that skill level, the the difference between the best players and the you know, average players and the average players and the you know, beginning players is just not you know that clear cut. But you have to have some level of competence from the pitching position, and not that they're going to strike anybody out or not you know anything else. You have to be able to throw. 
a couple of strikes before they're going to throw four balls. To have a softball game. Right. Yeah. They, they've got to be able to throw enough pitches around the strike zone that the hitters actually think about hitting it, right? They have to be able to do enough correctly to allow the other kids to actually get to be involved in playing softball instead of just standing on the field and watching kids walk around the bases. So what we decided was that you know he needs to you know, walk back on his original statement and say, Yes, I'm more than happy to let the kids all experiment with different positions. We want them to all try everything. We want them to all have an opportunity. But if they're going to pitch, they've got to make a commitment to practicing enough to be able to do it well enough that they can allow the other kids to play. Now, we didn't really come up with a ratio or a number or percentages or anything like that. And I think that that's going to depend on each team and each situation. But if you have a practice or, you ha- or you're warming up pregame, say, oh, so who wants to pitch today? And of those, you know, if all six kids say, oh, I want to pitch today, you know, that in your warm-up that they all have to throw. We're calling you know, balls and strikes. Yeah, and, you know, they have yeah. to throw 20 warm-up pitches. And who, the three kids that throw the most strikes, they get to pitch today. There you go. You know, something as simple as that, just so that they understand that, you know, that there are some obligations and requirements that go along with that position. And when the parents are a little bit upset or frustrated or whatever, you can ask them to then, you know, just think about the innings when their daughter's not pitching, when she's standing at shortstop and the ball never gets put in play because the other girl who wants to pitch, who never practices pitching is walking and walking and walking. How much fun are you having then? Cause it's the same thing when it's your kid except your kid's more happy because she's involved with more stuff. Well, I was going to say too, Tori, and that's a very uncomfortable situation when you're out there in the circle and you have no chance of functioning like a pitcher. Well, but I think and, for some kids at this age, they're, they're not even sure that well, they're doing anything that's... Not, not doing anything wrong? Yeah, it's like, well, eh. They see walks from everybody. Even the good pitchers are going to walk kids. So they know that you know walks are not that... you know. But I think we, we need to... there's a level of that's good for you too, but I think the one thing that happens because it's rec league, because it's you know an introductory level, that a lot of us just kind of you know poo poo on it and say, ah, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. We had Jordan Dale on you know a couple of weeks ago, and where did she start playing softball? Rec league, right? And because she fell in love with you know softball at the rec league level, and and because she was on a team where their pitcher couldn't throw strikes, she made up her mind that she was going to become the pitcher. Well, and she ended up pitching at Oregon, and now she's a professional pitcher. Where did she start? Rec League. Right. You know, all the good kids on your travel teams, where did they start? Rec League. Well, if they, some of those kids that are, you know, playing college softball now or professional players or, you know, really good travel ball players or whoever they are, if they were all on this team where all they got to do was watch kids who don't practice pitching walk people around the bases, where would we be? And, and, and yeah. how many of them would be where they're at? Right. So I think that, you know, that we have to keep thinking about the idea of, you know, doing, Everything we can to make it as fair and and fun and and flexible as we can, you know, give every kid an opportunity at a young age. But we also have to make sure that we're doing some stuff and and at least enough accountability or whatever the right word is to make sure that it still looks like softball. So what I'm hearing, Tori, is uh, in our initial team meeting, we have to put this kind of in context for everyone. Right. We're going to have everybody get into try positions, but... At the pitching position, we want to make sure that we're uh, using people that are working at it. Right. Yeah, and I think if we do that, then that's going to help. Because I think, you know, again, from, from my conversation the other day, I believe in their rec league, if you go one time through the order, the teams switch no matter what. Right. Well, from what I understood from our conversation, there have been several times that they've gone completely through the other team's order with nothing but walks. And that's not good for So if you've got side, 11 yeah. or 12 kids on the roster... And that's probably why they're only playing two innings yeah. or three innings game. You know, they've probably got a 90 minute block for their game. Well, if you're only playing two innings and each one of those is walk, walking 12 kids around the bases and then you go on offense, probably not playing a whole lot of softball that way. Kinda and definitely tough. not fun softball. Kind of tough to learn the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you probably get good at running the bases because you're yeah. going to get to go on pass balls a lot. All right. So I really do appreciate, uh, that conversation, you know, we're always looking for ideas. We want to make sure that we're talking about stuff that you're interested in. So just like we said for nominating players of the week, reach out to us, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Uh, Coach Don and I want to talk about stuff that you're interested in. 
It's always nice to have some interaction with with listeners because it gives us a little bit more of an idea of what what's important to you. So now that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And again, check out that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save that additional 10% on your order, and it also supports the podcast. So, Don, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit about recruiting. It's kind of the recruiting season now. We're seeing a lot of posts on social media about players committing to schools and all these players' dreams coming true of of where they're going to be playing college softball. And one of the things that um, I'm always having discussions with parents about is things relative to recruiting. And one of the things that has come up in discussions four or five times here this fall, and partly because I think uh, we're just in a weird year for Georgia high school softball this year where there's been you know, some coaching changes and some transition in some programs and you know a lot of kids not as comfortable as they might have been, but a lot more talk about high school softball is not important. It's not going to get me recruited. College coaches don't care about high school softball. And this misunderstanding is something that I want us to talk about because here's what I'm going to tell you. This is one of the dumbest and most damaging things that I hear about recruiting, and I hear it all the time. Here's what I will say. Yes, college coaches find you and evaluate you on your travel ball team. The vast majority of players who get recruited get seen playing on their travel team they get evaluated on their travel team because then they're playing the highest of level of competition. You know, the college coaches, it matches up with their schedule, so they have the best opportunity to see you play and to see you play often. So college coaches find players in travel ball. But here's what I'm going to tell you. They also care greatly about high school. Even though they're not finding you in your high school season, and for the vast majority of the country, they're playing their season, their high school season, when the college coaches are coaching their college season. So obviously the, the high school season isn't where the college coaches are going to be out recruiting a lot. But the college coaches care deeply about players playing high school softball. They care about what's going on with these kids on their high school teams because the high school team is a lot more indicative of how they're going to be and how they're going to interact in a college program. And so the idea that it's not important, that it's okay to quit your high school team, that not playing high school softball is no big deal, is one of the biggest misunderstandings and one of the dumbest things that people are saying. And the thing that I always think is so crazy about it, the quote-unquote experts who keep telling these people that high school isn't important are travel ball coaches. They're not college coaches. Now, you know, you'll hear college coaches say things like, High school is not that important. But when they're saying that, they mean it's not that important for the evaluation process. They're not saying that it's not important for the development of the player and us knowing for sure whether we want a player on our team. I know, Torian, for the most part, when this topic comes up, at least in my realm, it's when somebody's not necessarily clicking with the coaches or things aren't going the way they might perceive them to be equitable the, the or team fair. not strong enough yeah. yeah a team might not be that good and solid and to me i'm always trying to figure out the positive and this is an opportunity for us to learn how to work with other people this is a, a chance for us to have a positive impact on the players around us this is a chance for us to be identified as a great athlete in your high school and yeah. try and figure out how we can make this thing work rather than figure out why it's not a good thing right and uh you know like you said it's it's always a tug between the high school coaches and the travel ball coaches whether it's for training in the summer for the high school when you're really in your travel ball season or vice versa you know when here we have uh, high school in the fall and the travel teams are chomping at the bit ready to to get going on you know their exposure their two or three tournaments that they're gonna schedule and play so 
Um, it's always going to be a, a tug back and forth on that. But, uh, you know, like you said, the, the college coaches are definitely interested in how they're going to interact in an environment that's going to be similar to the college setting. You know, when you're having to study, you know, how are you performing? Because when you go to college, you're going to have to study. Right. How, how are they going to interact when it's a, a six day a week practice regiment? Are we going to be okay with that rather than the, you know, once a week on a travel team? So I think that that's got a lot of validity to it. To me, finding out what I can gain and grow from, you know, that environment and that setting is going to be important. And we're not always going to have everything we want, right? you know, for us. So well, when we, we talked about confidence yeah. a little bit ago, we were talking about how, you know, this is a game that's loaded with adversity and opportunities to be challenged and, you know, things that are going to affect your confidence. One of the biggest reasons why I think the college coaches care about high school sports is that it's a much closer environment to, as you said, you know, the studying, the, the daily practices, those kinds of things. But the biggest thing is how you're going to fit in with your team. On the travel ball world, let's say you and I are teammates. And on Sunday afternoon, you and I get into a big argument over whatever. And we're mad as could be at each other and ready to punch each other in the face. We get done playing. We stomp off in our different directions. We go, you know, get in our cars, ride home. And we don't see each other for a week or 10 days or two weeks. Well, have we resolved our problem? Have we sorted through the issue? Have we had an opportunity to see each other? Are we learning how to manage? We're both sitting together in math tomorrow. Right. Versus the high school kid who might be riding on the bus with that same player tomorrow. He's going to have classes with that same player. And guess what? He's going to go to practice with that same player. And so, you know, the idea that high school age players are learning a lot of different skills by being in that school ball environment, which is a lot closer to what's happening in college. Now, not talent wise, not skill wise, not competition wise, but social and team building, cooperation and all that kind of stuff. So the next time somebody tells you that a college coach doesn't care about high school ball, you need to re-ask the question. Do you mean you don't care about it for recruiting because you're finding players more in travel ball? Or is it you don't care because you think it has no value? If you're being recruited by a coach who says, well, it has no value. I don't care at all about high school. High school could burn down tomorrow. You know, I wouldn't even miss it. Well, that's a very small percentage. But what I keep seeing is people saying, well, I talked to coach so-and-so and he said, you know, he doesn't care about high school for recruiting, right? He doesn't care about it for recruiting, well, but he I, does care about it for whether he's going to recruit you. Yeah. I think the, the travel ball season is a much easier evaluation opportunity for college right. coaches. You know, you got an h- entire weekend after weekend after weekend of, you know, five, six games on a weekend or whatever it is. And so it is probably a little bit more accessible at that point. Right. The yeah. Season's it's, a, it's, longer, a con- it's a convenience thing because more the level games, of competition is close. The competition level is yeah. higher. Yeah. But so, the, but the reality is so, so next time the, softball expert in your life next time the person who is trying to give you recruiting advice talking about how travel ball is the only thing that matters that college coaches don't care about high school i'm going to tell you that they're mistaken that high school is important to college coaches i don't know a single college coach who doesn't value a player's high school performances and career doesn't mean that they found them watching them play in a high school game, but they care about what's happening while they're playing with their high school team. And there are going to be gigantic red flags around players who quit their high school team for whatever reason. And the kid quits the high school team because it's not good enough. The coach isn't good enough. The players aren't good enough. It's not fun enough. I don't like the competition enough. That's sending a gigantic red flag that you don't want to have attached to you if you're looking to be a college softball player someday. So. We're going to tap into a couple more of these misunderstandings here in the coming weeks, and we're not going to try to make recruiting our only topic of discussion, but we want to definitely make sure that we're touching on some of these because I'm really having a hard time finding enough time in the day to keep explaining the same thing to people over and over again. High school is important, so end of discussion. All right, so Don, that's going to take us to our Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week. This week, Coach John's going to talk about networking, and how it works in the business world, but also how it works in the softball world. Hey, John Davis here with Action Coach. Today I want to share a story, another one where softball and business overlap. You can learn the same things. Uh, this past weekend, I met somebody through my uh, my daughter's network. And is a young player playing in a D2 school in South Carolina, and she's from Minnesota. And I asked her, I said, how did that come about? How does that happen? And she said, well, 
My coach, my current college coach, had a network of people that she knew that were coaches in the Midwest who knew of me from all the camps that I had attended. And they knew that this uh, this college coach was looking for a pitcher and they liked this pitcher, but they didn't have a good fit. So they were able to create an introduction. So as a result, uh, between a senior year and freshman year, this player who was destined to go to a JUCO ended up going to a D2 school in South Carolina and she loves it. So I don't know all the people in this story. I know some of the people and I don't know if this was all just random luck, but I'd be willing to bet that there was there was some intentionality behind this. There was probably effort to maintain relationships between those college coaches. And also there was probably an exchange of needs and resources, one sharing what they what they needed for their for their team and the other was paying attention to people that they knew that would be a good fit and people that they believed in and had a, a strong relationship for willing to put their their name on the line, willing to refer them. So I'll ask you real quick, you know, how, how does this relate to your business? Are you in your business? Are you waiting for luck to create referrals and references or is it intentional? Are you intentional about staying in touch with your network, building a network of people that potentially are even your competitors? Are you willing to network with those folks, build that relationship and, and share your needs and share your resources? Be willing to give, give as much as you receive. Referrals don't happen by accident. They're usually based upon weeks, months, years of relationship building. And that's something you can do for your business to drive referrals. Referrals, as you know, are probably the, the best type of lead generation because you can convert them easier. If you've been re referred to another person, another company, you're very likely to use them if a friend of yours is using them and recommends them. So the best thing you can do is generate referrals for, to grow your business. And the best way to do that is to build your network, be strong, engage, share what you need, share what resources you have, give to the group, and you're going to get referrals back. So if you want to talk about how to put referrals into your business, make it an intentional strategy, we can set up a 15-minute call. Would love to do that. You'll get value out of that. And then if we end up working together, then a uh, portion of those uh, proceeds will end up going to Fast Pitch Prep. So this is John Davis with Action Coach. Remember, now is always a great time to get into action. We're going to wrap up number 288. Please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Bittinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Products, and Action Coach. Make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your square cuts training discs. You also have access to the YouTube channel and the blog post. There's a lot of information available there if you have time to look for some stuff that uh, might be of interest to you. Please make sure you become a patron if you can. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Very easy process. We're talking about $5, 10 or $20 a month, and we really do need the support. And as always, please make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com with questions, ideas, suggestions, player of the week nominations, and anything else that you're interested in. So for Coach Don McKinley, our producer Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.